Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Fruity, a podcast for people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave AC, for the next hour while we enjoy some nice wine. Likes a good glass of red wine, your host, Mr. Dave AC. Welcome, everyone. It's Tuesday again. I can't believe it. Welcome to the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Dave AC. Currently, there's just myself here on this live wine podcast. Yes, it's all done wine. Uh, all done wine. All done live. <laughs> It's all done live, and therefore there may just be the odd error in the process, but we will carry on regardlessly. Um, This is uh, episode 78. Wow, wow, wow. That's quite a long time, a year and a half, really. And today's strap line is New World, Old World. Remember, uh, I'm your host, an expert only on what I like drinking, and we're joined by someone from Tents. Central Texas, I will just try unmuting them for a moment and then we'll just see uh, if it's a a person who is a wine lover on the call. Just give them a moment for their phone to be unmuted. Hello, they're on the phone from Central Texas. Hello? You're unmuted? Okay, I'm going to mute you because I can't hear you. I'm sorry about that. Um, I'll have to mute you. Um, I may try unmuting them uh, in a little while, but they seem to have issues with their call. I was hearing no audio. And uh, just to be careful, and because this is a live show, um, I've muted them. But if they stay on the line a little while... Um, I will try again after we've gone through the first part of today's episode, which, as I say, is episode 78 of the Big and Fruity Wine podcast. The call ID is double one double two seven two, and we go out live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that is 10 p.m. in the UK, although we will be slightly uh, at odds with that uh, in a week or so's time because on the... Uh, 10th of March, the US change on to summertime, which will mean that the call will still be at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern um, Daylight Time, I should say. The Americans use the word daylight rather than the summer. It will be 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, which will mean the start time here in the UK will be 9 a.m. Hope I remember to do that as well. So that will be for a couple of weeks until the UK steps back into line and we also go on to our uh, uh, calendar time uh, for the summer. Okay, as usual, uh, these shows have um, two or three elements, but today we've got lots of numbers. Yes, you've got one podcaster here. You've got two numbers to remember. Those two numbers are the call ID, double one double two seven two, and the number to call in with, which is 724-444-7444. We've got three wines to taste tonight. We're going to be talking about four worlds. Yes, here in the uh, virtual world, I'll be talking about real-world wines, and the real-world wines I'll be talking about will be from the old world and new world wines. So four uh, worlds. And there will be five podcasts. There's today's podcast, and I'm going to refer back to four of my earlier podcasts for reasons that they're touched upon during the course of today's show. We also have another number. We've got a wine fact today, and following on from last week's episode 77, Fragrances and Flavours, we'll be talking about um, six aromas that you don't want to smell in your wine and that's from uh, a website that we just didn't get have time to get round to by Mary Orlin uh, last week, and we will touch on that. 
and hopefully the three wives I've got will at least get a rating of a 7, an 8, and maybe even a 9 out of 10. So, uh, and uh, our caller has dropped out. I think they may have been having issues with the phone. If they come in again, I will try and unmute them. But uh, I did give them a moment to see if they could come on air and speak. Um, when they come on a call with certain numbers, they come on and it's uh, not easy to see what their TalkShoe name is. They come in via the uh, the sign on the call. Okay, so let me uh, get back into my stride. Well, normally at this point, uh, we start with the wine that I've got for tonight. And I mention a little bit about it. I smell it. I taste it. I talk about it. And I tell you about a twit pick. But we've also got um, a little bit of a, a going back today uh, because um, just very quickly, yeah, uh, very quickly mentioned that um, about five, well, five weeks ago and four weeks ago, I drank wine not from bottles. Five weeks ago, in actual fact, on episode 73, on the 29th of January, I uh, drank uh, wine from a box, box wine. I'll remind you what that was in a minute. And the week after, episode 74, on the 5th of February, uh, four weeks ago, I drank uh, from a wine that was in a pouch. And what I said at the time with both of those, both of these enclosures uh, as alternatives to bottles, uh, you know, there's, uh, they have various benefits to them. First of all, you get either sometimes two, sometimes three, sometimes four bottles worth of wine in these enclosures. They're supposed to be greener because there's less weight transported around because the actual packaging makes up a lot less of the actual cost and a lot less of the actual weight value. And also, the enclosures are supposed to keep each glass that you pour out, because they both have special stop taps on them, uh, supposed to keep the last glass of wine that you pour from them as fresh as the first glass. Now, uh, a case in point for that, remember I mentioned before, that when you do have a wine box wine, whereas when you're drinking from a bottle of wine, you may pour out your first glass or leave it for 15 or 20 minutes just to get up, uh, a little, uh, oxygen to it, uh, or you open your bottle an hour before you drink it, with subsequent glasses, you don't need to do that because the air has already got into the bottle that's standing there waiting for you to refill your glass up. But with a boxed wine and the pouch wine, the wine that you've poured out will be in contact with air, but the wine that's still in the enclosure will not. So um, you need to pour each successive glass out and just give it a little bit of time to come uh, to. So... Yes, um, so I, I, I've got a wealth of things here. I've, got, I've even, dear listener, I've even, dear listener, got some little dry biscuits, some, one of my favourite little biscuits, um, they're um, Cars Water Biscuits. I don't know whether they're available in the country where you're listening from, but in the UK they are always available. Very thin, like twice-baked, crisp, uh, you can... You know, they really are crisp. You'll find them at a lot of wine tastings you go to. Not cheap to say that they're just water biscuits. Uh, they cost about, um, well, over $1.50 for a box. Uh, I think £1.19 here in the UK. So you're getting them for about $1.80. Um, anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, because I've got three wines, I want to just clear my palate between them. Now, it's going to be a little bit unfair today on these two uh, drinks from the past because the wine that I have got for today is uh, a wine of uh, more quality and just as I say that I'm joined in the room by guest three now I'm not sure whether guest three is the person who tried to come in on the phone just a moment ago welcome guest three um, this is Dave AC here and you're listening to the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast um, if you are a wine drinker or somebody who I may know from Torchew please, by all means, um, put that information into the room. Um, but uh, what I will do is continue on uh, with the, the call. Um, I'm just about to actually uh, taste um, th 
train winds. No, I'm not a lush, uh, as I uh, will explain to you since you're here live. Um, the um, the two wines I will be trying first are wines from uh, a box enclosure and a, a pouch enclosure that I've had for four and five weeks respectively. And the idea here was not necessarily to go on about the particular wines, but just to see how the wines hold up with that. And um, we've also got a guest four coming in the room. So I'm not going to just repeat that information again, but you're most welcome. Uh, this is um, the Big and Fruity Wine podcast. Forgive me if I don't repeat all that information, but um, uh, bear with me as I move forward. And if you do put things in chat, just mention, please, whether you are just passing or whether you happen to be a person who enjoys drinking wine. I particularly talk about red wines on this show, but um, as I've said many times before, I'm an expert in the wines that I like. So welcome to the show. Um, okay, that's absolutely fine, Guest 3. Um, there is no issue with that. Guest 3 has just put in text for the people listening to the recording later that he just wanted to see uh, how the site works. So you're most welcome to stop by. Okay, but his dad's a wine expert. Okay, well, you're most welcome to stay as long or as short as you like. And uh, let me uh, just uh, refresh that. <laughs> okay. Right, well, the first one that I had, a box wine that I opened, remember, nearly five weeks ago, was a, um, a wine of South Africa. It was, it is, Yellowwood Mountain Shiraz. Uh, the box contained um, uh, the equivalent of three bottles of wine, which meant that the cost of the wine was around about uh, £5 here in the UK. Well, actually, slightly less four pounds something equivalent to about a six dollar a bottle of wine so quite a modest wine it wasn't um or well, it is 2012 and it's 14 percent by volume but it wasn't a very typical australian uh sorry uh, south african shiraz um i'll have a little bit of a taste to see how it's held up but i'm only going to comment really on that aspect of it well there's still not a lot on the nose, and there certainly wasn't last time. Remember, for those people um, listening, this was tasted on episode 73. That's, if you go back to the feed, that's uh, Torture ID 112272. Um, you will find that on the 29th of January. Uh, yes, uh, guess what? You can use um, Skype out to call into this. Uh, you can use the, the phone number... Uh, 724-444-7444 but you need to have credit on Skype uh, you can use a SIP client and that is at six. this is a question I'm answering in text by the way listeners uh, at 66.212.134.192 and I'm using actually Xlight to call in at the moment but um, going back to this mountain uh, Yellowwood Mountain Shiraz there's definitely not an awful lot on the nose. I poured this class out about 20 minutes. Cheers. Thank you, guest three. Actually, it tastes very similar. I mean, I have drunk it between the five weeks. I would say I'm down to about the last half bottle in this box. The reason being, I wanted not to just leave it mostly full and see how it managed over four or five weeks uh, i've sort of had a, a glass or two of it each week but i wanted to see if it still kept the quality whatever that quality was all the way through to the end and i would say this taste it's a fairly uh, if you went into a a bar or a restaurant and just asked for the house red it's that sort of quality there's no real structures to it there's no a lot of tannins there's not a lot of spice um and for a shiraz it's really lacking a little bit in that spice um there is quite a lot of fruit and it tastes a little bit on the sweet side to me so i just have a little bit more of a taste and then we'll switch over to the other one and again for those in the room 
There are also two chat clients that you can join. If you're seeing the text going down the page, in other words, if I put in one link and then I put in another link, it goes down the page, uh, you will see it um, lower. But if you use the pro client, which is a one-time downloadable program, you can see a lot more information and you can see how uh, things interlink. So that if I click on, thanks for the info, Dave, uh, I can type, um, if I can spell it, you're welcome. And when I link to that, they get color-coded so people can see how those uh, conversations are interlinked. Also, if you come into the pro client, and this might be useful to anybody who's listening to the Wine Podcast and is considering coming on here live, no matter when you join a call on the pro client, you can see all the text that's gone on before. So you can recap all the links that have already gone on in the room by scrolling backwards. And you can get that download from the bottom of any of the torture pages. There's a Mac version. Well, it automatically checks whether you're a Mac or a PC, and it's a one-time only download. And if you go to our torture support site, you can find lots of information about using Torchu. And I'm just going to do this. And the reason why I'm taking the time out to do this is that I work part-time for Torchu. So I will declare that as an interest. That, um, and if the people in the room want to go and learn a little bit more about it, go to this site and check out the videos at the bottom. It's www.torchusupport.com. So uh, if you go there, you'll actually see some of the active widgets and you'll see quite a lot of information about training, free training classes. And you'll see right if you scroll to the bottom, lots of information about um, uh, videos showing you how to actually get started as a host. And also one last thing, and I apologize to my wine listeners for this, but since these people have made the effort to come in the room, um, on a Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, there's live Torture user support, and that's call ID 77. Okay, thank you very much, guest four. Um, I will re get back to my wine. Right, four weeks ago, um, I, I bought... Oh, no, I'll, I, I will put the TwitPick link in, by the way. I said I'd do that. The wine in the box, um, I'll put the TwitPick link in the room. And that is, oh, there you are. You see, I've gone and, um, let me just get that back. I've gone and put, um, ah, dear, dear. <laughs> I have uh, pasted instead of, uh, but it, let's get it right this time. If you go to twitpick.com forward slash B-Z-B-V-U-G, all small case, you'll see a picture of where all the box of wines were in uh, the supermarket and it will show you highlighted the uh, yellow wood mountain Shiraz and uh, the second wine that I'm going to mention is um, and let me get back to the link is ooh, scroll down for that David uh, this is the pouch uh, wine and I'll put the twit pic picture in first this time I think and that is this, as guests three and four leave me. Thank you uh, for dropping by. Okay, this is twitpick.com forward slash C16T0Z. I'll say that again, twitpick.com C16T0Z. Um, and, and by the way, uh, apologies to those people. Oh, 92 viewings, that's sad. Apologise to those people listening to the recording, but uh, one of the, the, the premises of TalkShoe is it is a live uh, arena for people to come on. So as a host, you try and give a, a little bit of deference to those people who have made the effort to get on the show. Uh, and I realise that many people listening to the recording, that's not uh, an indication uh, that you haven't made an effort to listen. I thank you for doing so. And of course, it may be at a time that you couldn't get on, even if you wanted to. Okay, now the pouch wine takes the, 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 the green agenda even further, because basically inside the boxed wine they were drinking, 
there is this aluminiumized plastic pouch. All they've done with this is they've extended it and they've got three holes. Uh, they've got a, a, a bar area at the top that's um, sealed off from the wine area and then they punch three holes in so you can hold it and carry it that way. Now, this particular one is, again, Shiraz, but this time it's from Australia. This time, I was a little disappointed because it was not um, a uh, vintage wine. Uh, it's 13.5% and there was only two bottles in it, but it was cheaper. It was only £9, but per per bottle price, it was virtually exactly the same, about £4.50. Uh, so that we're talking about a 6 six to $6.50 wine and again because it's in the enclosure that's sealed again i poured some out i've got it poured out here by the way i have only poured small measures of these two and we're already at 21 minutes i do apologize for that because of doing three wines i will probably go a little longer than my 40 minute usual guideline with just me on audio and again we've not got much on the nose with this um Australian Shiraz. Let me have a taste. And again, mind you, I didn't have a particularly high opinion of it when I tasted it. It's a little bit sweet. There is fruit, but it's very one-dimensional. There's a little bit of spice coming through in this one, and a actually a little bit of vanilla coming through now, but there's no real structure to it. Um... They really are the sort of wines that if, you know, if you're having 30 or 40 people coming to your house party, uh, you know, get a couple of boxes of these and pouches in for, the, for people who are not really wine drinkers and then get some good bottles in. I don't mean that you, you push one to others. Many people who think of wine as just a fun drink will probably um, go straight for the box set, mainly because they can just press the button and pour out the measure they wish. That really is actually an advantage of these because it's all too easy. It's all too easy as a host to either be um, very stingy if you've got a you know a quality wine. You're thinking, good heavens, I need to let six or eight people have a, a taste of this wine, maybe even ten, uh, and you're going to put the small measures out. Or oh, there may be other people who you know uh, who think you're over generous and you're trying to get them drunk. At least with these, people can pour out and measure their own wine. So that's just another uh, virtue of them. And just uh, a final thing on this is to say that it was on February the 5th, episode 74, where we tried this pouch of wine. Well, I've given those two wines. I, I think I'm about to have a nibble of a biscuit. Excuse me a moment. Now, we are going to have a wine fact. We are going to have a talk. <laughs> and David's going to drink some more wine. What a great podcast. And not only that, dear listeners, we've, um, last week I had a really nice wine. It was episode 77, Fragrances and Flavours. That was Tuesday the 26th of February. And I was drinking um, a Sainsbury's wine, the Bernard series, Basket Pressed Shiraz, 14% South Africa, £11.00. Um, and although it was South Af from South Africa, they'd used the basket press method to try and capture a little bit of a French style. In actual fact, after I'd done it and announced that this week we were going to do about New World, Old World, I was saying that actually I should have saved that wine for this week because it was a New World wine, but it had some of the winemaking uh, methods of Old World wine. And by the way, this, this this is going to be a bit of a, a theme that will sort of, it's the old world, new world is not as clear cut as it used to be because there have been quite a few Australian winemakers who've gone, are being invited back to France and they're uh, taking the skills that they've developed for the harsher climate of Australia and, and, and you know, reinvigorated in some way some of the... Um, the the wine areas in France, not the very top class chateaus, because I think they're basically uh, entrenched and uh, very high quality. I mean, 
Chateau Margaux and Petrus are not going to be messing about too much, I think. Although I think even even Chateau Margaux has has been experimenting with screw caps. I remember on the um, uh, the the wine brands podcast with Randall, uh, we were talking at one point, and um, uh, he Randall and his wife Evelyn had actually been to Chateau Margaux and, and worked there a little bit, and um, so you know they're not completely isolated from what's happening in the world and they do do try things but they take you know three four five six seven eight years they don't you know rush to the latest trend so they're off i've gone off one again anyway so this week i thought um, since i had that new world wine from south africa i ought to have an old world wine today now it's not Shiraz. those two wines have just tasted our Shiraz. Although this does have uh, Shiraz in it, because it's a blended wine. It's a Rome wine. It's a Naked Wines wine. Um, in fact, uh, can I digress one more time, please? Yes, you don't mind me doing that, do you? Um, I've actually got some wines coming tomorrow. Um, I've just ordered six, well, actually five wines, because I've ordered two bottles of wine. So I do know that some of the people from, oh, and I'm joined by Guest five in the room. Hello, guest five. You just catch me in full flow. I'm David C, the host of the Big and Fruity Wine podcast. Um, I'm just about to get on to the main wine after 26 minutes of talking. I've just been retesting two wines <clears throat> that are in special enclosures that keep the wines. And I was testing to see if these wines, one in a box and one in a aluminium plastic pouch, had been managed to keep uh, for uh, some time and and kept their whatever their quality was have they kept it and indeed they had first one was yellow mountain shiraz uh, from south africa uh, and that was um, reasonably bland like a house red but it tastes just as good five weeks later as when i uh, took the first glass out of the box and from four weeks ago there's a wine of australia uh, a shiraz um, not from a specific uh, uh, group. It's 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 um, wine collected from various vineyards, and um, that again, not really a lot of structure. But there was a little bit more spice and a little bit of more vanilla in that, but not a lot of oaky structure. So I'm just about to get onto this uh, wine. I did have other callers come into the room, which meant that uh, we digressed somewhat. And I'm just digressing at the moment because the wine I'm going to talk about in a moment and taste, a Naked Wines wine, I've just ordered some more. But I, uh, because I've got some more coming, I felt I could open the wine that I have today uh, for this show. Uh, and those friends of mine, as I say, who are in uh, Naked Wines, who do uh, occasionally listen to some of this podcast, um, I've got um, a Liz Richardson uh, Shiraz Langren, 2012. The Engine Room, the Mechanic Shiraz, 2012. I've got a Carlos Rodriguez Rioja Crienza, 2008. I've got a Silla de Sil Silvos, a another Crienza, 2009. And two bottles of one of my favourites, uh, Naked Wine Wines at the moment, and that's F. Stephen Millier, Angels Reserve Shiraz, 2011 and those are all coming tomorrow with my uh, naked wines discount uh, looking forward to that but the wine i've got today is um it's let me see if i can pronounce it it's krista collection it's a rhone wine french wine and it's from the and i think it's a rusty rustio region Appellation of France. That's in south of France, and I'm going to spell that out because my pronunciation is hopeless. And that is R A S T E A U. Um, it is. Would you believe? For a French wine, this is uh, quite amazing. It is 15 percent. Yep. Guess five. I will get round to that question in a moment. If you can stay a little moment. Guess five has asked them. Um, um, I was wondering why red wines are produced with such a high alcohol content. Uh, the short answer is, I think it's um, the American market that's done that. Um, in, in France, traditionally, wines have usually been 11.5%, 12, 12.5%, 12 
Uh, it's only in the last 10 years that you've been getting 14% Syrahs from France. Um, and of course, in France, it is called Syrah rather than Shiraz uh, and all the blends. Um, but I will, if you if you can stay behind, uh, stay behind. If you can stay a little longer, I will address that. Uh, uh, if you can't, um, yes, indeed, it is. Um, as I said, um, talking to um, uh, Evelyn Resnick, who produces a book called Wine Brands, and was on the uh, the New Wine Consumer Wine Brands podcast on Torchu. And if you're interested in wine, check that out. That's double double one eight eight eight. I used to help out on, um, and she's a wine writer. She prefers her wines at 11.5%. Of course, a lot of the uh, ladies also like to drink the uh, Pinot Grigio the, and some of the white varieties, and quite often they are only 9%. And, of course, you can get what's called uh, early harvest wines now, uh, which are catering for people where they're, uh, you know, less of the alcohol is turning uh, less of the sugars turned into alcohol, and they can be under 10% in strength. And then, of course, you have um, the sort of Weight Watcher wines where they actually extract some of the alcoholic content out, even so you can actually buy wine without any alcohol in it. In actual fact, uh, the Christmas that's just gone, uh, my daughter's partner was driving; they was weren't able to stay over, so so he could not have uh, just have to have a fruit juice or something. I bought a non-alcoholic wine for him to enjoy, but it was a f- complete failure. It tasted just like um, uh, blackcurrant juice. It just tasted like what we call Ribena here in the UK. Sorry to digress again, those people listening to the recording, but again, with somebody in the room asking questions, I try and defer to that. Talk a little bit more about that if I may, but I really am desperate now. My bottle has been opened an hour now. My wine has been poured out uh, 35 minutes or so, um, and it is um, Krista. It's, um, let me, Krista Collection, Rasiu, I can't pronounce that, I'll spell it again, R-A-S-T-E-A-U, from France, 2009, as Desfire quite rightly comments, at 15%, that does seem high, um, and it's all there, ready and waiting for me. Uh, by the way, it is rather a dearer wine, this I think it's over £12.50, so we're, we're talking about an $18 wine. Not particularly high range, but um, certainly what I would consider a weekend wine. And we'll be drinking it on a Tuesday night for the podcast. And to be fair, there's a little bit of jammy fruit on the nose, but not a lot uh, coming uh, from the wine itself. But it's got a lovely, lovely deep purple colour with a slightly redder tinge around the edge. This wine, by the way, 2009, that's only four years old. This will keep five, ten years quite easily. Let me have a little taste. Wow. Now, there's five. You quite... This one packs a real alcoholic heat. There's a lot of alcoholic heat here. It's almost getting to what you would consider a fortified wine. There's almost, it's almost getting, um, not like a port or a sherry, I don't mean as fortified as that, but there is definitely um, maybe an overbalance of alcohol. I think, even for me, who likes quite big, robust reds, I think this could be brought down a touch, uh, maybe down to 14%. Let me have another taste. Um, there's spice coming through. There's not uh, a lot of um, there's not a lot of oak uh, uh, or licorice. It's it's mainly alcoholic heat, uh, deep jammy fruits, and um, as, as um, what else am I getting? I think you're right. It's slightly dominated by the alcohol. Now, I put a link in there to the Naked Wine site for the Domain Christa wine. Um, the grape is Grenache and Syrah. Um, uh, 
It's a br- <laughs> wine type. <laughs> it's classed as a brutal red. Now it says 14% there, but on the bottle it actually says 15%. Aging advice: it can be kept up to 2017. Serving temperature: 16 to 18 degrees centigrade. Oh, there you are, David. You clever man. It says here: open and decant at least one hour before serving. Uh, food matches roast partridge dishes. So uh, that's it, and um, the the winemaker is um, uh, Baptiste Grandjean. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I will put it in the room for all the because uh, these links can be taken from the room later using Chat Grabber. That's the name of the winemaker. Let's read a little bit about him, and then I'm going to have another taste. Um, Baptista's story. This is from Naked Wine site, and I am also a customer of theirs, of course. Um, we're in the third generation of our family working at Domain de Crista. The vineyard was bought 70 years ago by my great-grandfather, and we started working back in 1999. We took over from my father, Florette. Uh, the soils were in excellent condition, thanks to Daph. Dad's biodynamic concept of agriculture, but changing old mentalities was a bit of a challenge. We had a few problems with the first vintages we produced and bad corks. Now, I've read a couple of people who have mentioned that with this wine, they still have had an experience with a bad cork. I must admit, mine was um, completely solid. It's fine and it is a long cork. Uh, one of the place, things that they're doing now, uh, they're either having screw caps, they're having stelvin, are they having these shorter one and a quarter inch corks? This is a full one and three quarter, maybe, yes, one and three quarter inch cork. So it is a cork for wine that can be put down. And and by the way, that reminds me, in a couple of weeks, um, uh, we'll be going back to storing wines. Next week, we're going to be doing about um, uh, uh, back to wine and health. But, um, so, yes, uh, the cork issue has been something that they have had issue with, but not quite as it has. Now, they do a range of wines here, so uh, it just said, um, um, but by 2003, we started to make some absolutely wonderful wine, with the wine advocate calling us the new superstars from Chateau Neuf de Pap. Um, uh, uh, I'm, and then it goes on to talk about, you know, I'm truly passionate and love working with uh, my brother and so on. Um, so um, that is um, the winemaker. The wine itself, there are some very good comments in the, ro- the room, although there is one person talking about having issues with the cork. Um, Ma- Michael from Naked Wine says, um, the wine is absolutely beautiful in the glass. Very supple aromas of dark bramble fruit. Well, so subtle, Michael, I could hardly detect them. And I think I do get the pepper. He's talking about pepper and a, a hint of creamy toastiness. Well, let me just have another taste as well. Mm. On the palate, warming flavours of stewed plummy jam. Well, I did think it was a plummy jam, with interesting and lovely sweetness evolving into balanced tannins. The alcohol in this wine is well restrained. I would say a little bit forward. And uh, let me just read what's been put in text. Got to go. Thank you, guest five. Thanks for dropping by, and um, always welcome. We're here every week at this time. Watch out for the change to daylight saving time uh, on the tenth. Bye bye. Thank you. So let as go back as guest five prepares to drop out of the room. Um, uh, well restrained. I'm not too sure about that because I am a person who quite likes uh, strong uh, alcoholic wines. But to me, I, I think this could be taken down a notch. Uh, but um, Michael says, I adore this wine, one of the best Rome wines I've had for a long time. I'll certainly be buying more. Uh, and Wendy puts uh, uh, a really full body flavour, a great wine, and I'll buy this again. Not put off by the price, it's not one of the cheapest wines. Uh, Katie, oh yes, full body, smooth and refined. Lynn, uh, oh, quite surprising. Is that sexist to me to say quite a lot of uh, ladies have commented about this wine when, 
you know, it, it seems to be a really big beefy one. But Lynn says a wonderful wine full of flavour, worth every penny. Uh, Kenneth says everything uh, a Rassier Lou should be. This is the first wine I bought from Krista and will definitely try some of their other wines. So it's basically a very big thumbs up. Just with that reserve, I would say, if you if if, if you don't like your your red wines too alcoholic, although it says 14% on the site, it definitely says 15% on the bottle and the alcoholic heat does come through. Wow, everyone. Let me just clear away some of these links because I really feel now as though um, I need to move on. Um, uh, I'm going to put a couple of links in for you to explore yourselves. Uh, a couple of links. Uh, next first one is um, from Wiki to uh, check the area in the south of France and the Rhone region. Rasselou, um, uh AOC area, their appellation. Uh, and this is uh, Wikipedia dot uh, org forward slash wiki forward slash r-a-s-t-e-a-u underscore a-o-c and it'll give you all the information there and there's also another wiki page on the actual page showing a map of the region write it down uh, in the southern almost south uh, east corner of uh, france so i'm going to again i'm trying to delete out those uh, pages that I've gone to. We're 41 minutes, folks. Now, with having people in the room, although they weren't on audio, I do feel as though I can go a little bit longer because we haven't got to the new world, old world bit, although we've touched upon it. I'm going to very briefly also mention the thing I mentioned um, when we were talking about fragrances and flavours last week. Um, I, we were talking about all the nice things. We were talking about um, that um, uh, flavour wheel that um, we mentioned and all the information to look for uh, and uh, Mary Orlin from the uh, Wine Fashionista um, and this is the blog um, and uh, let me just um, where's that link gone it's from the Huffington Post uh, let me just um, and uh, let me put the link in the room, but it's a difficult one to read, but it's the Huffington Post from uh, one of their wine correspondents. Um, and I think I'll let you explore this, but let me just give you the title so you can put that in Google. It's the, uh, the six aromas you don't want to smell in your wine. Now, we've just talked about one or two people having um, uh, a bad cork. Now, there's two things you can have with corks. So I'll just concentrate on that one and just mention the other things like sulfites, oxidized wine, uh, volatile acidity and so on. Uh, but um, one of course is if the actual wine itself uh, crumbles and breaks, not only do you get the bits of cork in it, but you can actually get the wine having gone off and a spoiled bottle. But I'm just going to mention the cork taint part of this and let you go to this page, www huffingtonpost.com forward slash mary dash all in forward slash bad dash wine dash aromas and find it from there and uh, let me just read a little bit of what she says about cork, cork taint <laughs> I'm already under pressure of time um, for years I've heard the term Brett and what some people love uh, what it does to wine and others do not but I didn't know what the heck it smelled like until this class Think of cherry cough syrup, band-aids are, <laughs> now I'm going, to, I'm going to go off again in a minute, but uh, band-aids are smoky, barnyard are horsey aromas. And one thing I was going to say, and I can't remember whether I mentioned it last week, but um, prior to doing today's call, I'd just got a scratch on one of my fingers and I'd put um, a plaster on it, a band-aid on it, one of the fabric ones. And when I was getting the, the wines ready and I was just, wasn't tasting, I was just having a smell. As soon as I brought my hand to my mouth, what I could smell <laughs> was the plaster, the band-aid on my finger. So first thing I did was went and take it off. Don't ever try and do wine tasting if you've got a cut finger and you've got a plaster on it because they do have quite that sort of aroma. I'm told sweaty horse blanket, it says, is a ringer for Brett. 
Um, uh, Breton Thomas says, uh, sorry, I can't pronounce that. I'll spell it. B R E T T A N O M Y C E S is a yeast spoilage. All world wines may have a tiny amount of Brett that some wine drinkers covet. You can also find Brett in some Belgian Trappist beers. Well, isn't that a good segue? Because it mentioned old world wines. And that is going to be the topic. So please go and check out that Huffington Post page uh, and the writings of Mary Orlin. Uh, and I will move on through that because we're going to go, uh, hopefully get about 15 minutes now. I definitely will stop at the hour talking about our little topic for today. And um, what I'm going to do is pick out some little bits um, uh, oh, that was the other two podcasts I was going to refer you back to. I have done two podcasts talking about old world and new world. So that will add as a counterpoint to what I'm talking about today. Um, if you go back to episode 28 um, that I recorded, oh, would you believe that, ladies and gentlemen, on the 6th of March 2012, that's one day short of a year ago, um, a year ago, I did an episode called Old World, episode 28. And then uh, the following week, on the 29th, I did an episode called New World. Uh, and that was on the 13th of March, 2012. So you may want to just have a listen back to those episodes if you missed them. So take those in response to this one <clears throat> a little bit, if you may. And I'm just going to go to, and this is an unlikely page link, but I will put it in anyway, because it had something useful, I thought. It's www.moneyinstructor.com forward slash art forward slash new old, new old wine, that's one word, dot ASP. And there's an awful lot of information there, but um, I'm just going to read a little bit um, uh, towards the bottom uh, of this um, because on each of these pages I'm just going to pick a snippet for you to hopefully go and check them out right near the bottom of this it says while generally deploring much of the wine of the new world the old world is being forced to take notice Australian wine has displaced French wine as the top import to the British Isles many traditional makers are in employing some new techniques to ensure a better, more marketable product. This generally is not a bad thing, as France, for instance, has always produced lakes of cheap swill. Ooh, that's controversial, isn't it? I do remember the wine lakes of about 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't think that's the case now. Uh, I think some of the wine goes actually cut down some of their hectares. Many consumers simply want a cheap, reliable wine, to eat dinner with, and these days they have a whole world to choose from. And, and I suppose those two wines, uh, I was retasting the box wine and the pouch wine, come very fairly and squarely into that market. You're home from work, it's midweek, you're having a spaghetti bolognese, you don't want to open a good bottle of uh, wine that may have cost you, you know, 10, 15 pounds, 25 dollars. So you'll go to the box wine and just... Uh, glug out, depending on how depressed from where you are, you'll glug out um, a specific portion of that wine to to uh, have with your spaghetti bolognese. Ooh, there's my tomato rumbling at the thought of food. Let me clear that one. Right, let me go to another link. And again, I'm going to keep to fairly brief things. And I, I do want to say that when I give these strap lines and these topics for the vegan fruity, um, you know, I hope you don't think coming on the show that it's going to be 90% about that. That's just going to be the feature item. And as people come into the room, oh, I get variously distracted. Uh, please bear with me. And if you feel as though I'm a rudderless ship, come on the show's live and help steer me. It's call ID double one double two seven two. Okay, the link I've just put in the room is winefolly.com forward slash review forward slash and this has got dashes between every word. New dash world dash V dash old dash world dash wine. And um, 
let me read a little bit uh, again from this. I'm not going to read all of it. It's got a, a lovely map there of uh, the wine countries. I think most of the ones, uh, the old world wines, are all in Europe. And, of course, we've got um, uh, the North Americas, South America, South Africa, uh, India and China even, uh, uh, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, so have a look at that. And um, let's just read... Um, two little bits here, one about the definition of New World wine in this case and um, about why the New World style, style is, is, is becoming more prevalent. So um, the term New World wine refers to countries colonised by Western Europe and regions that are new to wine production. Even though, by the way, and again digress, Australia, remember, because of the, 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 the blight that they had in France and so on, Australia has some of the oldest grapevines in the world uh, so just because it's a new region it still has 100 year old grapevines there anyway back to a minute new world wine regions adopted the successful ideas from old world and expanded on them most of the new world wine regions started within the last 100 years and benefit from modern agriculture such as vineyards designed to fit tractors and industrial irrigation um, and this little bit Without entrenched traditions, New World seeks to push boundaries of what is possible. The areas focus on technology and efficiency and tend to be more susceptible to popular trends. The New World style focuses on commercial success and making the wine that is ready to be enjoyed today. That's one of the other features. Most people, when you buy a lot of wines in the supermarket, uh, and this used to be unheard of a while back ago, they, they would send the bottle drink in the next one to two years, where most wines, it was implicit that you would keep those wines for five or ten years, and if it was a really good vintage, you could keep them 10, 15, 20 years, presuming, of course, you know, you kept them in good storage conditions. Uh, one, and then it goes to the bottom, taste the difference between the old world and new worlds, and it gives some examples there. But I'm going to skip that because I want to go on to another page. And we'll finish at the one hour mark, hopefully. And this is um, Wine Vibe, the winevibe.com forward slash tips dash FAQs dash new world v old world wine styles. And again, uh, I'm only going to read a little bit of this because I want you to go to their content and read it. But this little part says the rule and the exceptions that prove the rule. There are, of course, exceptions to this two-way classification system. Some uh, young Barolos and Barbaras are known for their boldness and higher than typical alcohol content. These are probably the exceptions that prove the rule. Once again, remember the general rule for comparing New World and Old World wine styles. Old World wines, i.e. wines exhibiting Old World wine styles, have a lower alcohol content are more delicate and are more terroir-driven than New World wines. On the contrary, New World wines, i.e. wines exhibiting New World wine styles, are typically big, bold and fruity. Furthermore, they have a light to medium acidity and have higher, higher alcohol content than Old World wines. But here you are, I'm drinking an Old World wine that is 15%. Now we've got... Um, Four links left. Uh, two of them are uh, wiki ones, so I'm going to just read the links out to them and let you go and see those. You don't need me to read out wiki pages to you. Uh, the first one is wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash old underscore world underscore wine. And you'll find lots of information there about that. And conversely, there is a, a similar page for new world wines. So let me put that wing, link in the room. And that is wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash new underscore worldwide. And it gives you lists of the countries, regions. Awful lot of information there. So I'm going to concentrate on two last links, which I think we can come up. Uh, and we'll go to the one at ChickaQ. Uh, let me put it in the room and then I'll see if I can spell it out. It's double the. Where's that gone now? Let 
me see if I can read that out. It's www.chikaku.com. And I'll spell that again. C-H-I-C-H-A-K-U. And then it's .com forward slash old dash world dash the new world dash wine styles. Of course, um, these will all be searchable from Wiki. And it has some great information here. Um, but let me just a little bit... But um, basically, it, 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 it rehashes uh, this. The all-world philosophy holds up the idea of terroir as trumping all of the considerations. Because it's the new world wines that started to put very clearly on the bottles, you know, this is a bottle of Shiraz. This is a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. This is a bottle of Zinfandel. Where, of course, a lot of the French wines are blended. Chateau Neuve de Pape can have up to 13, I think even 18 different wine grapes in it um although some of those have to be less than 10 percent of the actual thing and of course in french wine ones when it does have uh, two or three wines um the the highest quantity grape varietal is mentioned first and of course we have that name as well don't we with the um, the shira uh, the syrah and the shiraz and so on okay uh, the soil which what the vines grow the weather of a specific vintage and the legacy of the vines themselves are all thought to impart a distinct characteristic to the grapes. And of course, one of the new world factors was that what they would do is they had such vast areas that they would source the grapes in such a way as they made the blend so that they had a consistency year to year. In other words, they mixed the, the, the wines to get the similar wine to what it tasted like the previous were. Yeah, so people knew when they bought that wine, they were getting a consistency of wines. Okay, let's go to the very last link. Uh, you may be relieved that uh, listening to my voice for nearly an hour. I apologise for that, but let's very quickly go to it's the com and uh, newold.html. And um, there's absolutely lots of things here. But there's a little article by Nick. Alabaster and Jamie Good, and um, again, I'm not too sure that I should read any of this out. Um, let's see what Jamie says on one of his little bits. Um, as someone who has been a serious wine geek for less than a decade, <clears throat> I come from a slightly different angle to my hardened wine nuts, who were introduced first to all world classics. He said my early wine education was predominantly from New World regions, and in particular Australia and New Zealand. And here I find myself in a position of having to defend wines from the New World against Nick's full frontal onslaught. Not to read it. Yet I can't honestly take the counterposition of suggesting that New World wines are better than those from the old. It just isn't true. Instead, I'll try to argue that they are just as good, albeit different. And uh, then there's an awful lot of information there. Again, don't take these people's content. I want you to direct them to their content. That's www.wineadderack.com forward slash newold.htm. Well, I think, David, that might well be today's show in the bag. <laughs> well, it was in the box, it was in the bag, and it was in the bottle. And some of that is now inside me but not a lot. I've had little time to pause to breath. Just to mention that we're here every Tuesday. Remember, uh, from the 10th onwards, it will be 9 a.m. in the UK because it will still be 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And then when the UK goes on the 31st of March to summertime, we'll be back to 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. respectively. Um, Episode 79 next week is Back to Wine and Health. There's been a few wine things uh, come in the news recently, but because I had this uh, topic scheduled from the previous week, I went ahead with it. So we'll do Wine and Health next week. Uh, uh, episode 80 uh, follows on. It's called Storing Wine and More. And that is prompted by a friend of mine in the States who was part of uh, the poor people that were flooded by... Um, Sandy in the New York area and he was asking me some questions about some wine he was worried about might have been spoiled because it was on the floor and it's been standing up for some time so that prompted me to do a little bit about storing wine and more 
and then that was, that's episode 80 and then on the 26th of March episode 81 I'll have been to on the 23rd of March uh, a wild virgin wine tasting in Manchester Town Hall in the UK and I will be doing a virgin wine tasting report on that episode so as we just hit the 60 minute mark let me find my jazz safe outro and say thank you ever so much for listening this is Dave AC hope to catch you again Thank <music> you.